Welcome back. I hope, however, that time was spent, there's a sense of uh, nurturance and some ease would be my wish for you all. Uh, And as I mentioned before, we'll just move right into the sit. So I'm going to invite you to let your body come into a position that feels good. (laughs) Body can relax and it. Some people might be like sitting. Uh, for others, my, the body might be better served lying down or, or standing. Uh, but just allowing that sense of what might, uh, the little micro movements that might help bring a little bit more re- relaxation or rounding up and dropping the shoulders. Checking in with the jaw. A lot of times we keep a lot of tension here. And if that's true, it can just be helpful to rest your the palms of your hands along the jawline with your ears fingers sort of uh, split around the ears a way of holding ourselves again the sense of inviting a sense of relaxation into the bones into the body letting there be it's just an allowance or a surrender to okay it's like this in the body Feeling the feet on the floor, if they're there. Sometimes I like to press a little bit in the balls of my feet, just as a way of like, oh yeah, touching the earth, feeling the support of the earth's energies beneath us. Again, if the image or the sense of sort of landing in the bones is helpful, kind of rest the attention there. skull, the vertebrae, the rib cage, clavicle, long arms of the bones, the pelvic bowl, the long bones of the legs, the little bones of the feet. This is home, yeah, this body of ours, which can be a complicated uh, sentiment. But is it possible just to rest here in this earth element, in these bones that are resting upon the earth? And to feel into a relative stillness here in these bones of ours. And on the relative stillness of the earth that is, of course, spinning in space. And how might it be to just allow yourself to rest here? The mind will do what it does, entangling itself in thoughts or plans or conversations, arguments. Okay. And then come back. Oh, sweet mind. Can we just rest here? As if we've been on a long hike together and we've stopped for lunch or stopped for a pause in the sunlight our backs perhaps resting against smooth boulders or tree trunks, or lying flat 
on a grassy meadow or amongst a meadow of wildflowers. Resting in the comfort of our Sangha, whether it was your first time here or you've been here since the beginning, but to feel the the surround of support, not just the wise women that are here today, but all the women before us. Yeah. Feeling the support of the earth herself. And our body's connection to each other, to the earth, and allowing there to be a sense of deepening connection to our own selves and the bones. There's nowhere else to go. There's nothing else to do. You have already committed. It can be helpful in working with the earth element to have an image, whether it's all of us around in a beautiful wildflower um, abundant meadow, or to imagine those of us in the West Coast or those majestic redwood trees or California oaks or in a grove of aspens or whatever the trees might be in your area to feel their solidity their presence, if this is helpful as an image, it might not be, so let it go, if not. Or again, resting upon a boulder. Resting upon the earth herself. And dropping into this invitation of rest, rest here, rest in the bones, rest on the earth. Nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. The mind is doing what the mind does. Okay, come back. To feel perhaps the weight of the bones in the hand against the thighs, or if the hands are holding themselves, the touch of the bones to bones through the skin. And if it's helpful just to periodically just drop that word, God, just rest. Rest here on earth. Rest here in these bones. Please remember there's no such thing as a bad sit. We come, we take our seats, and we see how it is in this moment and in this breath. And just please, again, feel my gratitude that we can sit together.
Thank you. And so lovely to sit with all of you on this morning for those of us on the West Coast and uh, afternoon and evening for others. And um, today I wanted to sort of play around in the terrain of uh, working with fear. Um, I think if, if, if I were to say if my soul had a journey in this particular lifetime, it would be working with fear. Um, the household I grew up in had many beautiful things about it, but it was also had a very dark and terrifying side of it. Um, it seems like despite years of therapy, I managed to marry into a similar situation and holding it as sort of a teaching of, okay, how do we manage fear? And I want to make a distinction between sort of the excess, sort of the fear of like fear of rejection, the sort of small F fear and trauma and capital T trauma. And there's a wide spectrum and important to know that when dealing with developmental trauma or various ways of chronic PTSD, PTSD as a, um, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, that's definitely something that requires um, just such tenderness and patience and um, support uh, in a way that more of the small F fears do. So I do want to make that distinction, although they're related, right? It's all of a um, kind of all of a piece but really wanting to um, make clear when there's the heavier, again, capital T traumas that does require a different way of working with it because it's just so, can be so um, much living in the cells um, and just requiring a very gentle approach and titrating in and out so we don't keep re-traumatizing ourselves. So setting that aside to really look more at the fear and we're, these are fearful times. Um, just given all the news, the bombardment of news, much of it is what that is we're shown is not good. Um, fears about the climate and um, the economy and politics, all that. I don't need to list all the ways in which sort of the external world can seem scary, but also just internally how the fears kind of um, challenge us. And there's an article in uh, the magazine Lions Roar by uh, Joseph Goldstein, and he sort of talks about the Two, two, three main areas of fear. One, the sort of fear of pain. Um, and I, many of you know, I broke my wrist over the uh, winter holiday. And I've, even though it was all bandaged up, I had such a, my, my vulnerability was so high. It was just so surprising to me how scared I felt, even though it was like totally safe and protected. But there was such a vulnerability, like, what if I fall again? And uh, it was just really interesting to watch internally um, a level of fear that was unfamiliar to me just around uh, perhaps my own frailty or just that um, the vulnerability of um, the surprise. I was trying to play ice hockey. Um, it was surprise of the break, but then also all that sort of went on from there. So there's this fear that we have of pain and it can just be sort of discomfort. We have a backache or um the headaches are the ways we move away from fear, away from pain into comfort. Um, the temperature is not right. And those of you who have sat retreats, it's going to be kind of comic of the sort of the window uh, challenges of people wanting windows up, windows down, you know, the wrapping of blankets and pillows and trying to get comfortable when really it's sitting for long periods of time is often just uncomfortable, right? This has that second uh mindfulness quality the vedanas is sitting with unpleasant like to be still and actually allow ourselves to be with what arises is often unpleasant and we can take a couple days before things can smooth out 
and our kind of habituated ingrained habit to move away from pain or discomfort into ease, right? There's a, a way in which I think we're always kind of seeking it, whether it's temperature wise or hungry or thirsty or itchy clothing or whatever it is, just being able to know this movement towards comfort and what's beneath that. And in this article, uh, Joseph Wilson's being like, part of it's this fear, the fear of discomfort. Um, with when it's something going on in the body, it can be fear like, what if, what if this is what it is? What if you know, turning to Doctor Google is the worst thing that we can do? Often, this isn't sort of, oh my God, it could be all these things, and then the fear can escalate. Um, one thing, listening to different talks about fear and readings is sort of stating the obvious, but so much of the fear is what's going to happen. What if this thing that I'm feeling becomes, or what if it's always like this, or it's very future oriented? Um, that Mark Twain, Mark Twain quote, you know, the worst things in my life actually never happened to me. That sense that we can, by imagining a future that's terrifying or something terrible is going to happen, but it's not actually what's happening right now. So part of the way of working with fear is just being able to like, oh, sweetie, come back here. So that invitation in the, in the sit of just, can we just rest in the bones? Because the mind is really good at creating Futures, some of them are lovely and some of them are not, right? We can really, I, well, I'll speak for myself. I can really, if I, let, if I let it go, I can really scare myself as to what what might happen. Um, for those of us with kids, that's an easy thing to do also. So get freaked out about our kids' future worrying um, or young ones that we love. Yeah. And how to watch and just being able to know, oh, this is kind of a future tripping. Is it helping me? Okay, can I come back present moment? Is there much I can do? The Dalai Lama has speaks about uh, when we're worried about something. Can you do something about it? Great. Then you don't need to worry about it because you can just take action. Is there nothing you can do about it? Okay. Then there's nothing you can do about it. So that sense of that worry, which I would put on the fear continuum, really isn't very helpful. I happen to be quite good at it, which also makes me a good planner. But it's sort of catching when when is this really not serving me and to be able to reel it back. Um, easier said than done. And again, personally, for me to be able to come back into the elements of like, oh, just rest here. Yeah, with the image of the natural world and being able to ground and settle as a movement away from the mind that can just really spin out. Um, another shading of, of fear is just the uncertainty. What's going to happen? What's going to happen sort of with me, my body? Like, oh no, I have surgery or as we are, you know, may no longer be in our 20s, our bodies are different. And what's going to happen? Uh, what's going to happen to those that we love? That the, as we, as, imper- as the reality of imperman- impermanence impinges in our lives in terms of losing relationships and losing people and um, the arising and falling away of all that we hold dear, there's that uncertainty of what can I control? Not much, right? really not much that line about the only false sense false sense of security is the only kind there is so how do we work as we live in a world that's very uncertain uh, that notion that anything can happen at any time positive or negative okay how do we have a sense of steadiness of equanimity of uh, relative solidity to meet uh, what comes right so there's this quote a little poem by ann hillman we look with uncertainty we look with uncertainty beyond the old choices for clear-cut answers to a softer, more permeable aliveness, which is every moment at the brink of death. 
for something new is being born in us, if we but let it. We stand at a doorway, awaiting that which comes, daring to be human creatures, vulnerable to the beauty of existence, learning to love. And love this sort of this invitation to a softer, more permeable aliveness, which in every moment is on the brink of death. And whether we hold as death, like the, an in-breath and an out-breath, there's a death there. You know, at night when we go to sleep, there's a, that too can be talked about as a, as a death. When there's a death, there's a rebirth. Yeah. And being a, sort of align, aligning ourselves with the natural rhythm of life, right? Uh, this where can we embrace these small deaths and these small rebirths as like, oh yeah, this is part of what happens. Uncertainty is baked into our, our experience. Yeah. Okay. Can we learn to just ride it? This is, this is how it is. Uh, from, um, where is it? Sorry. Um, okay. There's a Hafaz, Hafaz quote in here somewhere that I can't seem to find um about the rose open there we go how did the rose ever open its heart and give this world all of its beauty it felt the encouragement of light against its being otherwise we all remain too frightened yeah so how do we allow even when there's we're in the sort of dark night of the soul or times that are really challenging can we open up to the possibility of feeling the light on our face that will allow us to open yeah and sort of even that image of the sort of the courage of the rose to open, I think is so lovely. Right? As they do, they're so tight and then they open. That's true for so many buds. But being able to kind of hold that as our own process when we are caught in those places of fear, when we just want to close down, can we allow some form of light, whether it's in the seeing the face of a loved one or playing music or being outside or holding a, an animal or just something that we love can that be a form of light that allows us to take that risk to open to open to be touched to open to love um th- this is sort of tongue-in-cheek but and i was listening to talk with tara brock and she shared this that there are five kinds of fear there's panic there's terror seeing that you have 15 missed calls from your mom hearing or in the computer noting password is incorrect or hearing we need to talk which I think is sweet, but this way in the myriad of ways that we relate to fear and what really does um, get us caught. Coming back to the article um, from Joseph, the second kind of fears, um, there's fear of pain, um, fear of tension, just the way the body can constrict, um, fear of something in the future, um, as I was mentioning. Psychological fear, fear of being insecure, fear of being vulnerable, fear of being exposed, fear of being rejected, right? And these are sort of the more, I would tend to categorize as smaller F fears. Um, what would happen if, what happens when I really allow myself to be open and vulnerable and exposed? Um, when we investigate that fear of being judged or of not being loved or being accepted, we see that it really has nothing to do with other people. Instead, it has to do with a fear of experiencing certain of our own feelings and emotions. It is we who are judging ourselves, not accepting ourselves, not loving ourselves. What is it that we're afraid to see or to be with or to open to? You might imagine someone sitting in front of you who has the power to look into your mind. If they could see your mind totally, what would you try to hide? What part would you like to cover up and protect? This is the place to investigate, to open up to 
to begin to love and to accept. And again, just love, Joseph, but this is sweet invitation of gentling ourselves into what are we scared of in terms of the relational, in the relational field? Um, and also what is conditioned, you know, for those of us that grew up in households where there wasn't unconditional acceptance and love and support, we develop strategies that end to adult like, this doesn't actually help me. Yeah. And there's, there's an unlearning process that needs to happen to be able to soften into the heart to accept ourselves, to even uh, imagine into feeling a sense of self-compassion and gentleness. And it can be scary to do so because the armoring that many of us may have formed as when we were young or in response to uh, experiences into our adulthood, that armoring kept us safe, right? And so there needs to sort of be a, a bowing and an understanding and an appreciation that fear has a very real healthy Aside for being chased by something, it's a good idea to be scared and to run. Yeah. If then the fear of pain is also good, if your hand's in the fire, you don't leave your hand in there and meditate upon it, you pull it out. So there's, I think, uh, woven into this relationship with working with fear is this the appreciation for it. There's value here. It's just when it overtakes us or when we become so scared of fear itself. Yeah. That would begin to allow ourselves to kind of unpack it to see, well, what's true here, what's useful, and where are the conditionings of, from past strategies that are just getting in the way, kind of keeping us constricted and in a place of fear. But again, coming back to that armoring place to, to really uh, the importance of honoring it. Yeah, it did keep us safe. And to be able to work with, okay, is there a way that can just relax a little? And what does that feel like? Or relax a lot. What does that feel like? Um, there's a, another fear, of course, is fear of death. Um, we don't look at very much death. We don't look at death very much in Western cultures. We don't look at the process of decaying and aging, and we don't relate much to dead bodies. We pretend it doesn't happen. Um, and how do we start to open up to the, again, as I was mentioning before, the the frequency was which we can notice the habit of small deaths, small rebirths. Yeah. Again, kind of aligning ourselves. Like, oh, this is sort of the, a natural unfolding in the natural world. Um, I'll just share this. The fear of pain, fear of uncertain emotions, of feelings, fear of loneliness, fear of anxiety, fear of sadness, fear of anger, fear of being vulnerable, fear of death. How can we make them an intrinsic part of what we're doing here? The first attitude is not to take the fears lightly, to not dismiss them as a mere intellectual understanding, but to respect them. I was talking about respect for the fear. Um, and to, to be able to drop into when we feel safe enough or there's enough support, either internally, we're resourced enough, or we're with others, to be able to kind of approach to that edge of fear. of Where do we start to feel? the um, What comes right before fear? Yeah, is it discomfort? Is do we know it? Is it a tightening? What is it then allowing us to hang just for a moment along that edge of fear? And I'll get to that um, a little bit more in a moment. But I want to read. Um, um, I'm going to read two things, and then we'll do an exercise. So this is uh, "She Let Go" by Sapphire Rose. She let go. She let go without a thought or a word. She let go. She let go of the fear. She let go of the judgment. 
She let go of the confluence of opinions swarming around her head. She let go of the committee of indecision within her. She let go of all the right reason, wholly and completely, without hesitation or worry. She just let go. She didn't ask anyone for advice. She didn't need to read a book on how to let go. She didn't search the scriptures. She just let go. She let go of all the memories that held her back. She let go of all the anxiety that kept her from moving forward. She let go of all the planning and of all the calculations about how to do it just right. She didn't promise to let go. She didn't journal about it. She didn't write the projected date in her daytimer. She made no public announcement and put no ad in the paper. She didn't check the weather report or read her daily horoscope. She just let go. She didn't analyze whether she should let go. She didn't call her friends to discuss the matter. She didn't do a five-step spiritual mind treatment. She didn't call the prayer line. She didn't utter one word. She just let go. No one was around when it happened. There was no applause or congratulations. No one thanked her or praised her. No one noticed a thing. Like a leaf falling from a tree, she just let go. There was no effort. There was no struggle. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It, it was what it was. And it was just that. In the space of letting go, she let it all be. A small smile came over her face. A light breeze blew through her. And the sun and the moon shone forevermore. And sweet, it's always a little... Um, that the idea of letting go is always sort of mixed for me. It's sort of, it sounds so easy and sort of let go into what, but what I like about this poem and the the cadence of repetition is this possibility in this moment, can we let go a little? Yeah, it's not to let go entirely, but even with regard to say that armoring or the ways that we can have the habituation to fear, just noticing in this breath, can I let go a little? And by letting go, it's just, again, if there's a tightness, uh, say of the fist, of the clenching or the sense of fear, naturally they'll be concerned, can we just let that go a little through breath, through imagining something beautiful, through knowing, noticing when we're not in the place of fear. Yeah, these are ways, again, momentarily of letting go and to release any expectations that we'll be able to let go entirely and that's that. Um, we're not really wired necessarily to do that, but being able to uh, just pay attention for when there's a when there's a, a lightening up, or when there's a letting go, even in just one breath. And then one more poem. Um, this is a, a, a green crab's shell by Mark Dottie. Not exactly green, closer to bronze, preserved in kind brine, something retrieved from a Greco-Roman wreck, patinaed and oddly muscular. We cannot know what his fantastic legs were like, though evidence suggests eight complexly folded scuttling works of armament, crowned by the foreclaws gesture of menace and power. A gull's gobbled, a gull's gobbled the center, leaving this chamber the size of a demitas open to reveal a shocking giada blue. Though it smells of seaweed and ruin, this little traveling case comes with such lavish lining. Imagine breathing surrounded by the brilliant rinse of summer's firmament. What color is the underside of skin? Not so bad to die if we could be opened into this, if the smallest chambers of ourselves similarly revealed some sky. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And just kind of pulling all your attention back into your body.
and just to consider opening to the possibility of sort of the Pema Sugar line of places that scare you um, or to fear. And, and I mean like little case S, little case fear. So what are the places, uh, the well-traveled neural pathways of fear that run in the mind? So not, again, not capital T trauma and not those capital F fears, but just the um, fears that you're aware of that are on the more mundane field, but have enough of a charge that you can feel it. Yeah. And as you call to mind, again, lightly, uh, rushing into something that does scare you a little, makes you nervous. So that's kind of the level we're playing with here. What do you notice as you call this to mind? For myself, I could feel a tightening of the heart, chest closed a little, breath got shallow. And just this amazing mechanism of when we call to mind something that scares us a little, the body responds, yeah. That the that which we might be scared of is not necessarily present in the room with us, but just the mere idea of it uh, kicks in a response, a bodily response, yeah. And letting ourselves kind of rest here on this edge of fear. Knowing at any moment we can take a few steps back and feel into perhaps the, the beauty of sitting with our sangha mates in the flowery, flowery meadow or a favorite spot where you feel good and the sun is shining and um, you're with people you love. So building in that movement, kind of walking up to this edge of fear, knowing at any time you can walk back to a place of refuge. Take some breath there and then come back again to this edge of fear with the intention of just being really curious what happens here on this edge? Is there an image that comes to mind? And if the image is too vivid, then just back it off. It could just be sort of one image that came to my mind, um, just sort of on a football field, those lines are the, the gridiron lines. So that edge. So uh, it doesn't need to be a cliff edge, right? It's just a line where something shifts internally in the body. There's a maybe a clenching of the jaw or a tightening of the chest. The heart shifts, closes down. There's a, something in the belly. And being able to, oh, this is what the edge of fear feels like. And then imagine walking back three, five, 10, 20 feet where the body can relax again. There's a release. There's a deep inhale, there's a deep exhale. The jaw can release, the chest can open again. The breath can move into the belly. The body might want to shake itself a little. And 
just to, to play one more time, imagine walking back up to that line of fear. A fear of rejection, a fear of not being accepted, a fear of pain. Now allowing yourself again to get as close to that edge as feels that it might be enough of a charge to work with, but of course not too much. Notice what happens. Where, if anywhere, is there a constriction or a tightening or a resistance, an aversion? Okay, and then moving back, releasing that, and literally might be like a shaking it out. Moving back to a place where there's a sense of lightness, a sense of opening. As if we could retreat back into that uh, that shell that Mark Dottie so beautifully described with the crab that's lined with a blue sky, that's lined with a sense of expansive, boundless space and love. And just to notice what what might be lingering in the body is to sort of dance up to the edge of fear and then moving back, back, dancing back up to it, dropping into the felt sense of, oh yeah, this is what fear can feel like. And then this is what it feels like to back away from it. So we're building in that muscle memory of coming up close. Okay, this is interesting. And then being able to move back away into a place of deeper resource and ease. Because so often these parts of ourselves that scare us or that are unfamiliar or that we try to protect ourselves from are really just wanting to be known. Yeah. Wanting to be seen and integrated. And that can take time. And allowing ourselves this permission, okay, we'll take the time it takes so we don't flood the system or overwhelm the body. But allowing there to be an intentionality towards moving up to this edge of fear, opening up to, well, this is what this feels like. Knowing we can back back out. So, into a place of, of beauty. There's going to stop here. Thank you for your kind attention. And then we'd just love to open our time up for questions or comments or how that exercise was. If it worked, it might not have. Um, and just ask that when you do share, you just stay with your own experience and just look forward to hearing from you. So thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.